0: Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. We are in the last message of this series. It's been a good series. And I'm looking forward to uh, what God wants to do. Um, This message today is called The Faith to Serve. And before we begin, um, let's pray. Father, thank you. for setting the example, and that you came to show us what love really looks like. And Father, you came to serve us, and you came to give. And as a result, we are changed. And we are forever grateful. And thank you, God, for the difference that you make. And so, Lord, would you teach us to be more like yourself? Teach us to be like Christ. Teach us how to serve. And Lord, give us the faith to trust you in the journey. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Speaking of all the traveling that we've done, maybe 27 years ago, Terry and I met a man named Lawrence Banks. Um, He was kind of doing the same thing that we have gotten into with uh, prayer ministry, inner healing, biblical counseling. He was from Australia, and he was conducting some courses with the government, and we had the privilege of having dinner with him one night, and uh, he just said, you know, I feel like the Lord is impressing me, uh, just to let you know that in the future, you guys are going to be traveling a lot. And at that time, we were young. We just got married. We lived in a tiny little apartment. I had this really old Guam Bomb beat-up car, (laughs) and I was like, us traveling? (laughs) how's that going to happen? I just responded with doubt and unbelief. But you know, over the years, over the 27 years, there have been other people with the ability to kind of sense God's heart and mind and to be able to share that. And they would say the identical same thing. In fact, one of them actually started naming specific countries that we would go to. One of them he mentioned was was South Africa. And at the time, we had no plans on ever going to South Africa. We had no friends there, no relatives, no reason that we would go there. And then like a year or two later, it was announced that the Every Nation World Conference is going to be in South Africa. And we're just like, man, God knows. But you know, way back then, we didn't and we doubted. And Armin, if you were here two weeks ago, he, he gave a very good message. And he said the reason that you can trust God in what he says and what his plans are is because he goes before you. And he prepares the way. And he's the one who's actually doing the heavy lifting to accomplish it. And so you can have audacious faith when it comes to God's purpose for your life. And what he has spoken to you personally. That was a great message, Armin. Thank you. (laughs) How many of you appreciate Armin? (laughs) So as I said, we are in the last message of this series, and so just to do a quick review of the last previous four weeks, we talked about the faith to be delivered, the faith to declare, faith to conquer, faith to claim, and faith to serve. And in this last message of faith to serve, we're going to be focusing on David and his mighty men. How many of you have ever heard of David and his three mighty men? that were the three warriors that were with him. Good. We're going to talk about it today. It's in Second Samuel. We're going to be um, looking at the life of David. All of 2 Samuel is kind of a summary of the life of David. And particularly chapters 22 to 24 reveal some life lessons that David learned. And they're not necessarily in chronological order, but we're going to be looking at one of those. And so here we are in Second Samuel chapter 23, beginning in verse 13, which says, Once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephim. The three who were among the 30, an elite group among David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. And so David did not drink it. And these are examples of the exploits of the three. Now, as we read this passage, uh, you may not feel like maybe you're one of David's mighty men. You may not feel like a warrior, uh, but I want to encourage you that um, however we think of ourselves is not how God thinks of us. God thinks of us in terms of who we can be in Christ, and he's given us a new identity, and he's given us a destiny, and he views us according to what he is going to accomplish. He doesn't look at us according to our past. And I want to give you an example from these three men. Well, not only these three men, uh, all the other men that were with them, there were about 400 altogether. And I want to give you a picture of what they used to be like. Because what you see in this passage is not who they always were. And so we're going to go back to First Samuel. It says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were destructed in distress or in debt or discontented, gathered around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. I just want you to imagine this group of men, 400. And these guys are in distress. They're in debt. They're discontent. And they gather around David, and he becomes their leader. And just imagine all these guys in this huge camp and some of the interactions that might be taking place. And it just kind of developed slowly, but you could imagine them sitting around the campfire at night and reminiscing on their younger days. And some of them were there when David faced Goliath. And they're like, David, tell us about that situation. What was going on in your head? You know, that was an amazing shot with the sling. I mean, what were you thinking? Was that like a a lucky shot? Or are you actually that good? And he goes, well, let me show you. And so they're sitting around the campfire, and they set up a couple of uh, aluminum Coke cans, six of them. I know they didn't have that back then, but just imagine for illustration's sake, they got three in the bottom, then two, and then one. You know, and he gets a sling of, and he just picks off the top one. And they're like, wow, can you show me how to do that? he goes, yeah, and I can show you how to do it left-handed as well. And he begins training these men. And he trains them how to use weapons and how to shoot with the bow, both left and right-handed. And they became very, very skilled. Imagine, they're out there. These are all people who are kind of running away from what's been going on in their lives. And they're just out there um, with not a whole lot more to do other than train. And they're with one of the greatest warriors that has ever lived. I mean, if you were around somebody who was very well known for a skill that was above and beyond, uh, wouldn't you want to like, learn from them? And so they were out there hanging out together, and they became David's mighty men that he trained. I want to encourage us that you know, we go through times when we are discontent. We go through times when we are discouraged. Maybe we're in debt. Maybe we're in distress. And I, and I want to just encourage us that God has something different than what our past has revealed. Titus 3.5 says he, based, he, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, meaning not by, not by our own works, not by our own effort, but according to his mercy, which was the word that were well shared earlier, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we think we have to get there by our own effort. You know, I've got to renew my mind. I've got to study. I've got to, you know, the whole the old adage, you know, garbage in, garbage out. You know, I've got to do all of these things. But God is the one who's in work, who is at work in you. He is the one who is regenerating and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Imagine for a moment someone in, someone in your life that you know, just picture anybody that you know well, and they have issues. Don't look at them here. Don't elbow anybody. <laughs> but you have them in your mind. Just imagine that for a moment. And then imagine that same person free and healed from those issues. That's a picture of where God wants to take us. As we seek to honor God and make disciples, imagine our church with healthy people, sharing what God has done in our lives, and then he in turn multiplies it in the lives of other people. That's what we're talking about when we talk about faith to serve. It's not about time management and schedules and calendars and events. Talking about serving people and trusting God to use us to get them in touch with him, that he can make the difference in their heart. Amen? You know, the real story with David and his mighty men was not being able to use a sling or a bow left and right hand and pick off a Coke can from 50 feet. The real story is how these men became secure. The real story is about how these people became a team. And the real story is how they did that and they became better together. I think that this story about David and his men can be symbolic of the church. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is the Messiah who came to sit on the throne of David forever and ever. God is the King. And he is the one that comes to us when we're discontent or we're in debt or we're in distress. And he is in the process of transforming us and making us more like himself. So what can we learn from the example of David's mighty men? Point number one, the faith to serve, the faith to serve freely involves offering ourselves regardless of circumstances. Hmm. You know, when David was talking to uh, these three guys, it wasn't like he was issuing a a command. You know, when you're in distress, sometimes you just kind of think back to the more comfortable days and you just wish, man, I, I wish I was at home laying in my soft bed. And he's like, you know, I wish I was back in Jerusalem and I could just drink that good water from the well by the gate. And he was just kind of longing and reminiscing about, you know, how things could be. And these three men, they were close enough to be sensitive to his heart. And they were loyal enough just to consider his desire as their task to accomplish. And they were brave enough to overcome the inner hindrances and the outer hindrances that they faced. Because remember, these three guys also used to be the D-men, they too were discontent and in debt and in distress. But they had learned to overcome their inner hindrances and even to overcome the outer difficulties. Because in order to get the water for David, they actually had to travel 12 miles. That's one way. And they had to, And then once they traveled, they had to fight and break through the Philistine guards who were ever in that area at that time. They got the water and they brought it back to David. The faith that serves is voluntary. It's voluntary and it goes the extra mile. Serving is supposed to be an act of faith. Sometimes, and I say supposed to be because sometimes we can serve for other reasons. Sometimes we can serve because uh, maybe we're afraid that if I don't do such and such, I won't measure up. And so I need to perform for approval. That's a common thing that we struggle with. But that's not how God intended life to be. He wanted us to be motivated out of, like David's mighty men, they were close to him. They wanted to do this for him. It wasn't to have to prove themselves or to get a pat on the back from him. They just wanted to serve him. It was from their heart. The idea is hearing from God and following Him. If you look at this example and consider it as a picture of Christ and the church, what these men did is an example of our relationship with God. It involves being close enough to hear from Him and then being willing to make major adjustments to be able to be a part of what God is doing. I'll give you an example. Abraham. He was told at one point to leave his father's house and to go to a land that God would show him. And the Bible says that he had a company of about 70 people that went with him. And just imagine that for a moment, going to your entire household and all your servants and all your kids and telling them that we're moving and we're going to be on the road for a long time and I don't know where we're going. (laughs) What do you think the motivation is going to be in the group? (laughs) You know, when you get a word from God and you begin to respond and to follow what he's doing, it's going to be costly. It'll require some major adjustments. But not only that, it can be costly for those closest to you as well. My wife and I, when we went uh, to go get some training about inner healing, maybe about five years ago, we talked to our kids who were in high school at the time. We said, are you guys okay if we move to the States for at least a year? And they were in agreement. They were good with it. But what we didn't know is my youngest daughter had grown up in a small private school all of her life, class sizes are maybe about 13. All of those kids are like their stepbrothers and stepsisters. And she's from Guam. Guam. And she goes to another culture, and it's a big public school of 2,000 kids. And we didn't know it, but she went through culture shock. And she went through a really hard time that year. And it was years later before God resolved and healed and brought her out of a lot of those issues. But we knew that God was leading us to go and to get some skills and to get some tools but i tell you it was costly uh, financially for us we made huge we made huge adjustments and it was costly for our kids and i just want to prepare you in advance by warning you that when you live by faith to serve god he's going to prompt you and he's going to lead you to do some things and i just want to warn you in advance it's not necessarily going to be easy you may have to make some major adjustments to be a part of what God is going to do. But I tell you, when you weigh all the costs to all the vision and the destiny that God has for you, it doesn't compare. When we align ourselves with God to use us, Uh, there are amazing things that he will do. And when you experience that, what's going to happen is you will actually experience God. And as you experience God in the process, you will be transformed by the experience. But it can only happen when you respond in faith and you make major adjustments to join him. And so, point number one, as we said, the faith to serve freely involves offering ourselves regardless of circumstances. Point number two, the faith to serve the faith to serve freely is an expression of extravagant worship and to illustrate this let's go back to verse 17 remember what david said he said the lord forbid that i should drink this this water is as precious as the blood of these men who risk their lives to bring it to me and so david did not drink it you know david considered that this kind of devotion that these these men had risked their lives I mean, what what would it have taken for some guy standing around a corner where they weren't looking to have a bow and arrow and hit them from 50 feet? It could have happened. They risked their lives to be able to go and bring the water to David. David considered that kind of devotion something that's only worthy for God. And so here they are in this cave, and it's as if he turned it into a sanctuary. And the Bible says that he took that water and he poured it out as a drink offering to the Lord. And it became, it became a special moment to honor what they had done and said, you know, this kind of, this kind of serving is, is only for the Lord. You know, some might have viewed uh, his actions as a waste. Because remember, there is there's no water in that area. In fact, uh, they were under attack. Water was precious. Why pour it out on the ground? And you know, for David, um, he said this kind of loyalty is reserved for God alone. When you choose to respond by faith to serve, it's something that is precious to the Lord. Other people may respond by saying, you know what? There's better things you could do with your life. You know, What you're giving yourself to, they might evaluate as a waste. But I want to encourage you that doing small things because we love Christ turns them into great things. As you display faith to serve, some might say it's a waste. They might say you could do something better with your resources. But remember, God is pleased when we serve him in whatever way. So as you serve God through your time, through your talents, I want us to remember this. This is the main point. The faith to serve God is given freely in spite of circumstances and is an expression of our extravagant worship. And Jesus himself is our example. Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice for us and also as a drink offering. And today, uh, I'd like to invite us to uh, share in communion together uh, for two reasons. Number one, as as a remembrance of what Jesus has done, to remember his example. But number two, oftentimes when we talk about serving and stepping out and loving and taking care of other people, sometimes it's hard for us to view ourselves as leaders because there are things in our past that we may feel guilty about, or we may have some shame, and that holds us back. But the Lord came to remove that. He came to offer forgiveness. And he doesn't want our path to be limiting and to hold us back. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have standards when it comes to leadership. Uh, When we become a leader, actually, there's stricter accountability. And the higher we go, um, the more narrow the path that we need to follow. You know, when I was a teenager, my very first car was a red sports car, and I was living in Germany at the time, and I had worked in an auto shop, and my boss helped me put a bigger engine in the car, and for a teenager, man, this was it. <laughs> and in Germany, if you don't know, the Autobahn has no speed limit. And so one day, I'm way far away, and I'm on the Autobahn, and there's this long stretch about two miles, that goes downhill. And I thought, I'm going to test what this engine can do. And I put the, the pedal to the metal. <laughs> and I started going, and I got to a point where it felt like the car was hovering. And just the slightest little turn on the steering wheel almost brought me out of the lane. And it was scary. And I just let off the accelerator, and I just kind of coasted and slowed down. But it occurred to me that the faster you go, the slightest little change in direction has 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 greater significance. And it's the same thing spiritually. You know, the faster we're traveling and the higher we go, uh, just the slightest change in direction can get us off course. And we have to be very careful. And so I don't want to say that, you know, uh, because God forgives and there's grace and there's mercy, that we don't have to worry about anything. Um, But I do want to say this. I don't want our past to be a hindrance from us progressing. You see, there's a difference between saying what's past is past and I'm keeping my eyes on, on Jesus and I'm moving forward. There's a difference between that and saying, you know what? Because of my past, I'm just not going to try. I'm just not going to. And that's not what God wants. God wants to, tr- to trust him day by day to keep moving forward and keep trusting because he's going to complete the good work that he began in you.